It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Ah, KT Live at Steiner's Pub, baby. Wednesday nights, you know it's hump day. KT is here enjoying himself. Little lamb chop appetizer, homemade chicken enchilada soup. All the soups are homemade. Salad dressing's homemade. Steiner's Pubs, baby. It just doesn't get any better than that. If you live in the Vegas Valley or if you're just visiting, but if you haven't experienced Steiner's Pub, you got to go there. First off, you got to be 21 and older. It is all three are actually 24-hour establishments, but the kitchen is second to none. I mean, it's just awesome. The food is outstanding. Like you think bar food, right? Because you come in and you see a beautifully lit up bar and, and just full bar machines over there with the lit up marquee so you can find out how those machines are doing on the video poker, video kino. Full bar, what they don't have on tap, they've got in the bottle. Cleanliness, top of the line. Great setup. All the TVs, you can see four or five from every location. And then, of course, there's the food. And the food is outstanding. I'm talking if you want salmon, you want chicken sandwiches, you want burgers, you want steak, uh, beef stroganoff. I mean, you name it, they got it. The Chinese chicken salad, the Cobb salad, Caesar, chicken Caesar salad's outstanding. Just so many great things that they have here at Steiner's Pub. So uh, KT will enjoy the uh, Santa Fe chicken salad a little bit later on tonight. But right now, uh, just enjoying, just kicking back. Uh, the lamb chops, you can get them not only the regular way, but you can get them a little spiced up with a little kick with the chipotle style done and then a little chipotle mayo on the side. So when you make it to all three Steiner's Pubs location, make sure you let them know Ken Thompson sent you. I've been here now 15 years on Wednesday nights. And Roger Sachs and the crew, they do an incredible job, but really enjoy myself. And so if you don't want to miss any of the games, take them in here. Now the Golden Knights are off tonight. Took care of business again last night. We'll get into that. Uh, but all the teams, the hometown teams, they really cater to the hometown teams, especially the Golden Knights. But Raiders football as well on Sundays. And this week it'll be Monday night. They'll be in Detroit uh, taking on uh, Sea Winds Lions. So we'll look forward to that. But uh, you've got, you know, the Aces games. They just finished up getting that second title. So when you go into the Steiner's publications, if there's a Vegas team playing, UNLV, uh, doesn't matter if it's college basketball or this year, how about college football off to that 6-1 and one start, you will have bunch of those TVs dedicated to the Vegas teams. Vegas Golden Knights games, Raider games, a lot of the TVs will be dedicated, but you'll still be able to find your games as well. So setups are outstanding. Always enjoy myself here on Wednesday nights. Uh, 24-hour establishment, again, means you got to be 21 and older. Uh, but if you have some younger ones that would enjoy the great food from Steiner's Pubs, just get that takeout order and bring some stuff home. Let the kids enjoy it because it is top of the line and the prices are always reasonable. And that's the great thing. Roger Sachs doesn't jack up the prices. He's got everything where, you know, you get in and out of there and you're like, wow, I didn't get gouged and it was a great meal. I enjoyed myself. They have great happy hour set up as well. And the service is second to none. That's what separates Steiner's Pubs. The service is truly outstanding. 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. That's the one in between South Point and Mandalay Bay, right there at Windmill on Las Vegas Boulevard. The original 
8410 West Cheyenne now in their 25th year and where KT is on Wednesday night, 1750 North Buffalo, right here at Vegas Drive inside the Albertson Shopping Center. And again, another great crowd on a Wednesday night. Bar is absolutely packed. And uh, most of the tables taken up, but there's still five, six tables and a booth open. So uh, come on down, enjoy yourself. And I gave away a couple appetizers, but I'll give away one more if you come up to my table in the next uh, hour and 50 minutes as we'll roll on through right till 8 o'clock. And we will, uh, you know, pay attention to a lot of things going on in sports. We'll cater to the football heavily, a lot of college football, a lot of NFL. Mark Lawrence going to join me at 625, Andy Isco at 705. And then uh, Arthur DeCesar, he's so buried over there at the Westgate Superbook. He won't be able to join me at 742, but Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State, a good friend of the show, will join me then, and uh, does an outstanding job calling Bulldogs games, and of course, UNLV, already bowl eligible, they've got a trek up to Fresno. Fresno, a uh, very solid team, and always tough to beat at Bulldog Stadium, and of course, Panache Boyle Rabaputi, one of my main sponsors, because Brian Panish, senior partner, a good friend, well, he of course played football for Coach Sweeney back in the day for Fresno State, so if UNLV takes out his Bulldogs, I'll just stay uh, on the lowdown for a little bit until uh, Panish gets over it, but should be a fun game and i'm hoping coach odom can go up there even though the rebels are bowl eligible you know what don't get complacent don't settle you got a chance to win the mountain west and i'm hoping the rebs can go up there and assert themselves and uh, make it a very competitive game and see if they can't pull one out against fresno state but let's get into the uh well you know what it is now the starting five number one all right let me go right to the team that went to 7-0 and last night. How about the Vegas Golden Knights? Yes, the old Hoaxers Flyers were in there, and they led it 2-1 to after 2. But the Golden Knights came up with a 3-2 victory. I mean, literally, this team at home, so many of their games, when you look at them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 4 of their 5 home games. But no, in fact, they've played 4. All 4 of their home games. The total has reached 5 goals, and that is it. 4-1, 4-1, 3-2, 3-2. Last night, 3-2 over the Flyers. couple 5-3 wins on the road at Winnipeg at Chicago after the 4-1 win in their opening road game against San Jose. But 7-0. I mean, this Golden Knights team, they're just never say die. I mean, Cassidy's got these guys playing. And it's pretty amazing when you win a Stanley Cup that you come out that focused out of the get-go. And very, very impressed by the Golden Knights. Got her last night with a phenomenal goal through the legs and then boom, top shelf. Just doesn't get much better than that. And the Golden Knights able to come back against the Flyers, who actually are playing pretty good hockey right now early on in the season. But the Golden Knights, they go to 7-0. and Now here's the crazy thing. They have four more games before Colorado comes into the Fortress. Colorado has won 15 straight road games. They'll have two more road games in their next four I'm hoping they win those so that they have a 17-game unbeaten road streak coming in against the Golden Knights, who could be 11-0 because they have games against Chicago. The tough one will be in L.A. on Saturday, this Saturday. Then they get Montreal and Winnipeg at home. They've already played Winnipeg and beat them in Manitoba, but should be able to uh, take care of business against Chicago, Montreal, and Winnipeg. Can they win in L.A.? They could be 11-0 and play those Colorado Avalanche who are unbeaten themselves right now at 6-0, and that's how we start the starting five. Number two. All right, got to go right to it. The association, of course, starting up last night with a couple games. Well, tonight, most of those teams that didn't play last night are in action. And the big game coming up in about 17 minutes from now, the Mavs 
at the Spurs. That's right, Battle of Texas. It is the debut of Victor Wembanyama, the youngster that uh, has all that promise. And you know what? I like the kid. He seems very composed. Uh, a lot of things being thrown at the youngster, but he looks like he's going to be a can't-miss like needs to maybe put on a little bit of weight but then you look at guys like Kevin Durant right Kevin Durant slender you know like uh one of those fat Albert characters that skinny guy right I mean but you know what that's his style that's his game and you know what Victor Wembanyama if he puts on weight great if not he's going to be able to fit right in he'll get pushed around a little bit by some of the veterans this year but you know what I think this kid's going to be solid as long as he stays healthy it's going to be a lot of fun watching this kid for the next 15 years in the association. Victor Wembanyama making his debut in about 15 minutes from now down in San Antonio against the Dallas Mavericks. Number three. All right, let's go to number three. This one, Dwight Howard. I don't know if you saw this. This is a uh, headline denying sexual assault allegations. Once the lawsuit dismissed, I guess this came out, you know, last year. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Saying it's consensual sex with a man named Stephen Harper. So Dwight Howard says, you know what? I'm not going to sit by and just have these things brought out and trying to, you know, take me down without me voicing my feelings, feeling I'm being extorted as far as for money, especially in the uh, civil suit. So Dwight Howard coming out and saying sex was consensual. He denies the sexual assault allegations. We'll see where this one goes. Like Fannie says, Innocent till proven guilty, KT. Number four. All right, looks like the Seattle Seahawks are going to uh, sign ex-Broncos defender Frank Clark. Frank Clark actually started out with Seattle before time with Kansas City. So we'll see, uh, indeed, if the Seahawks make that move. That's supposed to be done, hopefully, by tomorrow. And lots of uh, news around the uh, the NFL. Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy went into uh, concussion protocol. Ryan Tannehill is out this week, it looks like, which means Will Levis would get the start for the Tennessee Titans, and Malik Willis will also play. So uh, Titans and uh, their coach, Vrabel, going to see what they have with the two backup quarterbacks, but a lot of folks anticipating Will Levis uh, being somebody that can be the heir apparent to Ryan Tannehill. And then uh, the NFL office gets back to Jim Irsay, owner of the Colts, and says, hey, we're real sorry. Our uh, officiating crew, they blew a couple calls there at the end of that game, that 39-38 loss to the Browns, and they were bad. I mean, when you go back and you watch these plays, I mean, just two bogus calls. It's uh, it's pretty sad because, one, if they don't make the first call, the illegal contact call, which there's no illegal contact, the only contact's created by the receiver who's kind of could have been called for offensive interference. But they call illegal contact on the Colts. The Colts actually recovered a fumble on that play, and that would have been the game. Game would have been over. Colts would have won. The next play, they call pass interference. Same official, same part of the end zone. This ball, Victor Wembanyama on stilts wouldn't have had a chance to get that ball. That's how bad of an overthrow it was, and that's part of the rule. Uncatchable ball. So the Colts got job big time as... um, as uh, Mark Hoke said last night, got screwed big time, got screwed. So just some news from the NFL. Number five. And number five, well, we're looking for number five because we had it over here somewhere. But uh, here we go. We're going back to college football. Look, USC, they're in a lot of trouble. Lincoln Riley, he missed his second straight day of practice. The head coach for SC, 
Now, he's sick. He may not make it up to Berkeley, which means they'd have to go with a backup coach, uh, USC wide receivers coach, Dennis Simmons. SC's already reeling. They better be careful in Berkeley. And people are looking and saying, ah, see, they're 11-point favorites. Going to, Yeah, they've been 11-point or double-digit favorites in a couple of their games already, several of their games, that they struggled. Arizona State they struggled with. Very fortunate to beat Arizona. I mean, come on, man. This team right now is so underachieving. Again, they're fortunate to be 6-2 and two right now, and they've dropped two in a row. This could be one of the worst seasons ever for a team that a lot of people anticipated, including myself, of making that college football playoff, which means only one thing as we finish up the starting five, that I'm going to have to buy my producer, Hoekster, whatever. I think, what was that for, Hoekster? A dinner, or what was that for? Pizzas. Okay, so... Uh, couldn't remember exactly what it was. Oh, two pizzas. That's right. I got to buy him two pizzas if SC doesn't make it. I think I get. I think it get canceled. It gets canceled out if Penn State loses to Michigan at home. But uh, I, I did not. Uh, he didn't read the small writing, the small print there. Uh, but I'm thinking Penn State's going to win. Had a, a gentleman that's actually a USC guy that comes into Signers, a regular guy, but uh, a regular. Uh, patron here that he and his wife they make it in here now she's an sc grad he's a michigan guy and he's telling me that michigan's just gonna wipe the floor with penn state he doesn't care if it's in happy valley or not and i said well i'll take that bet and so that's just uh just just personal feeling and i don't have a dog in the fight as far as that i michigan penn state i mean i grew up in jersey so kind of lean towards penn state with some of my friends but you know not a penn state fan and not a michigan fan but just weighing it out home field advantage college football so big at venues like happy valley the big house the horseshoe so i think like i said i thought ohio state would beat penn state i think penn state beats michigan and i think michigan beats ohio state we'll see if it works out that way but that is a look at the starting five as we roll on through and mark lawrence going to join me in just a little bit let me just jump over and get a couple scores there's only one game in hockey and how about washington going into jersey and they had a three nothing lead after the first period but after two jersey has come back to take the lead four to three they got four goals in about six minutes they got three goals in a little over two minutes so the jersey devils after two up on top of washington by a score of four to three nba told you the association going hot and heavy right now 237 to go fourth quarter hornets lead the hawks 107 103 pacers blowing out the wizards under a minute to go there. They're up 19, 141 to 120. Easy over there. Knicks have now battled back. They lead the Celtics, 88-86, 7.09 to go in the fourth quarter. They've been down by as many as 15. They battled back in the third quarter to tie it. Then the Celtics went back up by nine after three. But the Knicks now have that lead, 88-86. We'll keep an eye on that. All magic blowing out the Rockets, up 27 with 3.27 to go in the fourth quarter, 107 to 80. Heat on top of the Pistons, 79-66. Chris Wynn, not a happy camper, but still 2.13 left in the third quarter. And the Raptors lead the T-Wolves, 73-66. I'll get you some of the other scores as they finish up. But that is a look at the uh, association on a big night. They had the two opening games last night. Phoenix finished off Golden State in that second game. And, of course, Denver beat the Lakers in the opening game where they uh, uh, rolled out the championship banner college football two games going jacksonville state rich rod up on top of florida international 27 to 16 they were up 21 nothing still 255 to go third quarter and sam houston state looking for that first fbs win leads utep 14 to 7 415 still to go in the first half 101.5 fmk dawn 
Streaming live on that Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it now. Ken Thompson live at Steiner's. Mark Hoke producing. And, of course, uh, Mark Hoke show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Right here also on KDON. We are live from Vegas. Keep it right here. We're coming back with Mr. Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports. Live from Vegas, you're listening to SportsX Radio. Coming back, a little shattered there. I uh, was walking a little bit today after working out and shooting some hoops, and uh, that was one of the songs. So uh, Mark Hoke, of course, uh, when KT sending music now, is uh, making sure that he vets all the songs that KT sends along his way. SportsX Radio, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 right here, 101.5 FM Dawn, and on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y Worldwide app. Download it now if you have not. Mark Lawrence. Ninth year here, SportsX Radio on Wednesday nights, and we've got him right now. Follow him on Twitter, now known as X, at Mark Lawrence. Mark spelled with a C. And, of course, Playbook Sports, that is the website. Mr. Lawrence, great to have you back on a Wednesday. And I'm telling you, football getting a little bit crazy. Wanted to uh, get your take, because I've got a couple uh, people tonight that are big time on Michigan as far as the Wolverines. And I look at this team, their defense has been outstanding. They've been able to shut down teams, make adjustments, and really, you know, not suffocate them basically defensively in the second half. And then I look at their schedule and I say, who the hell has this team played? I mean, realistically, you know, and, and, and look, Coach Odom's doing a great job with UNLV, but a Mountain West team going to the big house, not going to win there. I mean, I'm just wondering your take right now on Michigan. Now, I had Ohio State beating Penn State. I've got Penn State coming back and knocking off Michigan in Happy Valley down the line. And I also think Michigan better be leery the game before Ohio State when they go to Maryland and take on Talia Tungavailoa as well. Your take, Mark, what about that game? I know it's a little bit getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but where are you just as you glance ahead looking at what Michigan's done so far, and again, their, their quarterback McCarthy's playing outstanding ball, Quorum's an outstanding running back, and, and the defense, again, has been suffocating, but against teams that are pretty inept offensively. Where are you as far as that team, and do you think they can go to Happy Valley and beat Penn State? Well, a couple of thoughts, Kenny. Uh, number one, as you mentioned, Michigan has literally played the sisters of the sisters of the poor this year. And they're piling up big, big numbers because of it. So they look quite impressive in the stats and on the scoreboard, taking care of business, per se, if you will. Uh, Their first big test, as you say, will be at Penn State uh, in the middle of November. Then they close out at home against Ohio State two weeks later. Uh, I don't like everything I'm hearing about the cheating allegations that are going on uh, with Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff at Michigan. That leaves a real sour taste in one's mouth, especially when you see them chewing up on really, really weak opposition here. So I'm not a huge Michigan fan for what's going on with the program right now. Now, you can't refute the fact that they've yet to allow uh, in football games uh, more than 10 points in a contest. Uh, So, you know, you have to give them their due, especially defensively. But, again, I think it's all against very, very weak opposition. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and again, uh, you know, not a difficult game this week, at least on paper. And, and you know what? There's some other things. Uh, when you see some of the officiating, uh, you know, I used to enjoy college because they'd be able to, you know, whistle down and stop play and make sure, hey, wait a minute, there, this could be wrong. I mean, the way, look, Iowa played a lousy game. I mean, total offense. You know, they're lucky they got over 150 yards in that game against Minnesota last week. But to botch the call on the illegal fair catch, which was a game changer, which would have given Iowa the victory more than likely because they would have had the lead with just a few seconds to go. I mean, you just can't miss a call like that. And they should be able to go back to the league office, just like the NFL does, and have a bunch of guys on a Saturday, guys that are professional, former officials and whatnot, and be there and be able to correct that call. I just think it's a travesty. I mean, if that was an Ohio State-Michigan game, say that happened at the Horseshoe, and that was Ohio State taking it back to the house and they botched that call, I mean, you're screwing up the whole national championship situation. How do they not get that right? Well, because of the uh, the archaic rule that they have that they can't overrule plays like that, but I think it's nonsense, especially in the day that we live here today, Kenny, with instant replay. You can certainly have someone up in the booth whose job might be nothing more than just uh, reviewing egregious mistakes and overrule those calls. Uh, as you say, if it happens uh, in a situation like that where it takes a team out of the national championship, I think it will probably end up seeing something happen like that. But in the meantime, Iowa, instead of being a one-loss team, is a two-loss team, and they probably will not be in the Big Ten championship because of it. They had a chance in the West Division, but uh, that bad call, I think, just about took them out. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying not even to do it there because we've seen that happen before where they've had somebody uh, that they used to go to that would be on site. But the home crowd, I get it. It's a hostile environment. If you're making a call against a home team, you know, especially when they had the official go under and look and whatnot, then they're fearing for the officiating crew and whatnot. But if you do like the NFL and you say, hold on, we're going back to the league office, and you have, say, you know, five to seven guys there that are all doing a men and women, whatever, that are, you know, looking at it, and they're coming up with the, you know, the right call there, you know, and taking pressure, saying, hey, we're going to the league office or the NCAA office, right? So it's off property, and then they're the ones making the decision on the final call. I think that takes pressure off the officiating crew. I'd like to see something like that like they have in the NFL. So we'll see if we down the line. Mark, we've got a big game tomorrow, a uh, smaller non-power conference, but Georgia State at Georgia Southern. This is a pretty good game because both these teams are pretty good, and Helton's boys, you know, at home in Statesboro, minus one and a half, 63 the total against a good, solid Georgia State team. I'm looking forward to this game. There's certain games like that that are intriguing, but Sean Elliott's done a nice job there with Georgia State in his seventh year, and Clay Helton in his second year. As the Golden Eagles or, or the Eagles playing pretty well uh, they have lost a couple, but nonetheless, they're very competitive. I think this is going to be one of the better games of the week. Who do you like in this game right now with Georgia Southern favored a point and a half at home? Total 63 using the Westgate Superbook lines, of course. Well, both teams obviously being from Georgia and both teams being a group of five programs, this is a rivalry game, and it's a rivalry game that will ensure the best effort from each team. I'm going to look at Georgia Southern in the game at home playing with triple revenge against Georgia State. This is a Georgia Southern football team that hasn't done uh, many things wrong since they joined the FBS. Georgia State's playing some pretty good football themselves, but this line tells me, Kenny, that if you power rate this game and put them on a neutral field, 
they're making Georgia State a two or two and a half point favorite in the contest, and I think that's wrong. I think these two teams at worst are a pick 'em. I love the fact that Georgia Southern in these triple revenge games has fared very well. They've won four of the five times they've had triple revenge exact in contests like this. I think they exact the revenge over Georgia State on Thursday. All right, so Duke, they hung with Florida State real nice last week. Then in the end, Riley Leonard came out, and they end up uh, blowing the lead that they had in the third quarter, and they end up losing that game. Now Duke's got to turn around. Uh, Leonard banged up. Don't know how effective he'll be if he, if he is able to get in the game. And they go to Louisville, and Louisville off a bye. Cardinals minus four at home, total, total 46 and a half. Want to get involved in Louisville. Uh, you know, the way they played it against Notre Dame at home, made me feel comfortable. I don't like going against Mike Elko and Duke, but off the bye, I'm looking at Louisville. What about you? Well, it's difficult for me to jump in front of Mike Elko, but I'm a big, big fan of his. But I have to admit, I think he really blew it last week and made a major goof on a play call that he made in the football game. I believe it was late in the third or early fourth quarter when he had a three-point lead in the contest against Florida State. He had the ball fourth down inside the 10-yard line. Instead of kicking a field goal to go up six, he opted to go for the first down or the touchdown, and he failed. It opened the floodgates for Florida State, and they went 21 nothing out on them from that point thereafter. I think it's a lesson learned by Mike Elko. Uh, take the bird in the hand. You know, Don't create something that isn't there. Uh, what's difficult for me in this football game, as much as I do like Duke, you absolutely have to have Leonard in this game if you want to back this football team. Because when he left the contest here, they were a complete no-show. They were part of that 21-zip Florida State onslaught because Duke couldn't do anything with the football from that point thereafter. Uh, I'm going to lean small to Duke in the football contest on the basis or the assumption that Leonard will play. If I find that he's not playing, I will have no interest in the game. Yeah, still listed as questionable with that ankle. And, of course, he was nursing that ankle going into that game, so re-aggravated it. Uh, Jack Plummer under his head coach, Jeff Brom. Uh, again, good, solid offense. And if uh, Jordan's able to go in the backfield there, Louisville uh, could take care of business. They did a nice job against the Irish. Held Notre Dame 28 carries for 44 yards. And if they can do anything close to that, Duke's going to have an uphill climb at Louisville. So we'll see how that game pans out. Ken Thompson with Mark Lawrence talking some college football. We'll get into the NFL in a little bit, but very impressed by both Miami of Florida last week. They get they get the win, and also Virginia going into Chapel Hill, 23, 24-point underdogs and winning outright against North Carolina. My goodness, that was a big one there. Uh, Miami minus 19 at home, 46-and-a-half against Virginia. You know, there's no pressure on this Virginia team. They're not supposed to win. Are they good enough to hang in there with Cristobal's team? That might have been a nice wake-up call for Miami of Florida. They were trailing. They come back, rallied to, uh, to tie Clemson, take them to double or triple overtime, and beat them. So they finally got a win that they really, really needed because it looked like they were going downhill fast, Miami of Florida was. I think the win over uh, by Virginia over North Carolina was purely a choke job by uh, by the Tar Heels in that football game. We sort of saw it coming, uh, just the way the schedule worked out for North Carolina. The fact that they were sitting cruising and they were playing uh, somebody they were going to purely play down to the level of, but they got caught up in doing all that. I think it's a tough handicap, Miami, in Virginia here because Virginia is playing with house money going into the game, and we got to find out whether or not Miami got good enough to the point where they can handle a big spread like this. I'm going to pass the game and really probably lean small to Miami if I had to. All right, and then you've got, uh, let me move on down. Let me uh, look at that Clemson team that, 
you know, tough game, and uh, now they've got to turn around and get ready to go to Raleigh, NC State, and they're laying double digits. It's not that I don't think Clemson's good enough to get it together and get a win in Raleigh, but to lay double digits, Mark, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, be on the pack. Where are you on that game? I didn't I have not seen your newsletter, so I, d- I have no idea where you're at on this one. Well, you have to wonder whether or not Dabo Swinney's on suicide watch right now. Uh, this is a football program that's really kind of is coming apart at the threads. And the loss and the manner in which they lost the football game last week was tragic. Uh, to blow a lead like they did, a 10-point lead over Miami, and then cough it up in double overtime, uh, it signals a, a, a lot of doom here for Clemson here. This is a football program. They're, they're used to winning. They're used to winning the ACC, and they're also used to competing in the college football playoff. None of that is going to happen here this year. Uh, largely because this football team is just a mediocre team. NC State hasn't really played up to a level that they were supposed to here either this year. So in my mind, you've got a matchup of two disappointing-type football teams. I'll probably lean to the points here in the contest with Dave Doran. I think he's a good coach. He gets his teams ready for football games. And uh, when he goes into a football game in the regular season, uh, with the win percentage of less than 666, he's gone seven to one to the spread as the dog in conference games. I'll play NC State plus the points as the home dog in this contest. All right, a game not too far from you, Georgia and Florida. They always get together, and they used to call it the uh, world's biggest cocktail party, but they've gone away from that. Although the ones that go to the game, they'll still tell you that's exactly what it is. Uh, Georgia minus 14 and a half against Florida, and we know Bowers, the tight end, is out. That's the key cog as far as offense for Georgia. He's the main go-to guy, and their offense has rather been stagnant in several of their games. Uh, but they'll be up for this one in the one game uh, that they thought they'd, you know, the uh, outsiders thought they'd get pushed on. They, they really took care of business big time against Kentucky. What's your take here with Georgia and Florida? 14 and a half, 47 the total. I want to take the points. Should I or do I stay away or is this one that uh, you would lay the points with Georgia? Well, you know, you're going into that Georgia 34-game win streak, the regular season win streak here, and, uh, you know, you're probably playing uh, playing with the devil here and doing that. But you've got a lot of points to play with here, Kenny. You're talking two touchdowns to a Florida team that really gets up for rivalry games just like this. And, in fact, if you look at this series here, you know, when Georgia has had rest coming into the series uh, and coming off back-to-back wins, they're 7-1 straight up into the spread. So they play that rest and that momentum roll real well inside this series. i got to feel sooner or later the noose is going to get tighter and tighter and tighter on Georgia. I know they've been there. They've done that the last two years, but they're trying to do something that's unprecedented in winning three consecutive national championships. And believe me, the noose is going to get tighter and tighter. We saw it in the South Carolina game when they almost choked that away, and I think Florida will take this game right down to the wire as well. All right, and then the Buckeyes, of course, getting that win at home against Penn State, taking care of business. The offense wasn't the greatest early on. They missed some opportunities to open that game up early. Now they go to Wisconsin, and, you know, the Badgers down to a backup quarterback. But Luke Fickle is there, former Penn State, I mean, former Ohio State guy. Uh, Fourteen and a half, still a lot of points to give. And Wisconsin, the way they came back in the fourth quarter, cost me some money in Champaign when they came back and outscored Illinois 18-0 in the fourth quarter to win that game and cover by a half point, a point, whatever. And uh, Braden Locke stepped up nicely, so you know he gained some confidence in that game. What about it? Too many points to give the Badgers, or do you think the Buckeyes can kind of put that Penn State game behind them and get refocused and roll in Madison? 
Well, Kenny, what I see here is a team that's uh, the West Division leader inside of a major conference in the Big Ten in Wisconsin, and they're taking two touchdowns at home. I think the number's next to ridiculous, especially with Ohio State coming off the big emotional win over Penn State like they did. They were up for that football game in the highest and worst of way, and it's going to be very, very difficult, I feel, for them to play the same level of intensity against a pretty good Wisconsin football team here. i got to grab the points. Nice, neat stat in the game. Uh, Wisconsin's 10-0 to the spread when they're a home dog of six or more points. i got to take the points with Wisconsin. Wow, that's unreal. Okay, I'll throw three Pack 12 games of interest at you, and then we'll take a break, come back, and hit the NFL rapid fire. Utah, at home, off the win against Southern Cal. It's a you know good, solid Utah team, a team that's very well coached, and we know uh, Coach Witt, one of the best. Oregon coming in, line was seven, is now six and a half at the Westgate Superbook. Total is 48. I, I just think Utah, I mean, I, I actually took it in your contest, plus seven and a half. Rice-Echo Stadium is going to be rocking, and I know Bo Nix in Oregon, they've got offense, but I'm not thinking they're going to win by more than a touchdown there uh, or win by a touchdown there at Utah. In fact, it won't surprise me if the Utes actually beat Oregon, but we'll see. Tough place, tough environment, but Oregon did go to Washington and should have won that game. They actually outplayed the Huskies in the fourth quarter, and then that field goal, they still don't know how that ball looked like it was going right down the middle and then just veered right at the last second. Uh, your take. Bo Nixon, the guy, is good enough to win at Utah and cover a touchdown? Or do you think Utah's uh, the right side, or is this one you just stay away from? Well, there's no other better blue-collar team in college football than Utah, Kenny. Uh, they're getting the job done this season without their best player. Cam Rising hasn't taken a snap this year, and yet they're atop the Pac-12 conference here. What a great job. Kyle Whittingham, what a great coach he is. And he very seldom gets outcoached in football games. Uh, the only loss in the season, a scant uh, by the, uh, for, your, for Oregon, I should say, a scant three points at Washington, a game that I feel that they feel they should have won the football contest. And then I would have wished they had, number one, because I had them. But number two, I would love nothing more than to go into Utah undefeated and feeling the pressure that comes with being undefeated and going into a tough venue like Rice-Echo Stadium here. I'm still going to grab the points with you with Utah here. I think they're a really well-coached football team. And as long as they're taking points, we'll take care of business with Utah in this game. All right. And then Tucson, night game. I'm telling you, this game is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a lot of fun because Oregon State, very balanced team under Jonathan Smith. And uh, Jed Fish really has Arizona playing well. Uh, I talked about it several times. They should have beaten USC at the Coliseum, let that one get away. And SC was able to get it done in triple OT. And then they go up to the Palouse. They didn't just beat Wazoo. They pounded Wazoo 44-6. to And this kid, Fafita, pretty solid quarterback. He's been in there now for a game and a half uh, with Jaden Delora going down. And Fafita may have won that job. Look at an opportunity here. What's your take? Does Arizona have a shot to knock off Oregon State? Because I think they do. Well, you know, we're still not 100% certain uh, about uh, Jaden Delora in this football game here. Regardless, I like the job Jed Fish is doing with Arizona here. They weren't expected to be much this year, and they have become a lot this year. They're a football team that doesn't realize they weren't supposed to be a winning team this year, and all they keep doing is going out and winning football games. I love the makeup of the team. I love Judd Fish as a head coach. And this is a real ideal flat spot here, I think, for Oregon State, coming off the big win as they were. All of a sudden, they're carrying a lot of weight, a lot of notoriety. I think an upset happens in the desert. 
give me Arizona plus the points. There you go. I'm with you on that one. And I'd like to see Oregon State win because I really like this team. And I'd like to see them go and play Oregon at Autzen Stadium with both teams only having one loss. But a lot has to happen. Like I said, uh, Oregon's got to win at Utah. And it's going to... This is a tougher game than when we looked at the beginning of the year. A lot of people just dismissed Arizona as a team that was going to win outright, but now we see what Fish has done, and it's been a masterful job, no question. That'll do it for college football. Take a break, come back, rapid fire through the NFL with Mr. Mark Lawrence, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FMK, Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. Follow the show at SportsX Radio, at Ken Thompson 87. Miss any part of the show. Archives are pinned right there on the X handle, uh, formerly known as Twitter, or you can just use that Odyssey Rewind feature. That is outstanding. As soon as the show's over, you miss any part, just go right back, search SportsX Radio, and then uh, hit that rewind feature, and you can listen back to the show in its entirety. Live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub, Ken Thompson, Mark Lawrence, coming right back live from Vegas. A little Timbuk3 coming back here. SportsX Radio wrapping up hour number one with Mr. Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports, and uh, talking some college football, some really good games on the schedule, intriguing games coming up on Saturday. And I'll be in uh, Cali, two-day wedding affair there. Uh, My nephew Jesse getting married, so looking forward to that. But I'll be one of those guys like on that uh, commercial there uh, with the TV in the uh, phone and paying attention uh, while the vows are being said kt will be uh, keeping an eye on all these college football games but it'll be a lot of fun there'll be a big reception and uh, that'll be a good time be hanging out with my brother-in-law zach wild and the family as he foots another bill as the uh, second of four kids uh say their vows so looking forward to that all right mr mark lawrence you said your vows with colleen a long time ago but uh, let's get into some nfl real quick uh buccaneers and bills bills minus eight and a half 43 the total the way this Buffalo offense is playing, I don't want to lay anything more than a touchdown, although the Bucks offense, nothing to write home about. What about a Thursday night football? Where are you going tomorrow night? This is the game, kind of a game, Kenny, where the trends say one thing, but the stats say the other. And when I say that, if you take a look at uh, tendencies, Buffalo comes in 5-0 and to the spread the last five times when they're coming off a road game and the opponent comes off a home game. Then you've also got Tampa just 1-9 and nine to the spread the last 10 games on Thursdays. But you look inside the numbers and the stats in this football game, and it's really, really perplexing to me. Buffalo's really tattered with injuries defensively, and it's showing. They've been out-yarded in each of their last three football games in a row, and I call that leaking oil when favorites get out-yarded three games in a row and they have to dress up and lay points here. I'm going to hold my nose and take the points with Tampa in this football game and make Buffalo prove to me they're worthy of laying points. All right, the Jags finding ways to win games left and right. Couple in London, got one in the States last week, and now they go to Pittsburgh. Steelers off a nice win against the Rams, played a good solid second half, especially defensively. Jags minus 2.5, minus 120, so lets me know that's tending towards that magic number of 3. 42, your total. I don't go against the Steelers too often at home and won't do it here. Uh, I love T.J. Watt, man. That guy, to me, is the first guy that I'd grab. I know you're a Cleveland Brown guy, and you probably grab Miles Garrett, but give me T.J. Watt. I think that guy's just a beast and just uh, really disrupts just about everything. Uh, I'm going to stay away. Would you touch this game? Uh, would you let it go to three if you like Pittsburgh because it's trending that way? 
Well, if it gets to three, I will be with Pittsburgh here, Kenny. They're number one on my play-against list, the Steelers, largely because of their winning record and the fact that they've yet to outgain an opponent this year, winless in the stats. But take a look at Jacksonville as they come into the game as well. They've been out-yarded in each of their last two wins. Now they're going to dress up as a favorite on the road. And the truth of the matter is Jacksonville, when they're favored in football games, after having been a dog previously, they're just 3-14 and 14 straight up and 2-15 and 15 to the spread. Mike Tomlin doesn't lose very often at home as a home underdog. That's the role he'll be dressing up in here. Give me the Steelers plus the points. Wow, Jacksonville has won four in a row against the number straight up and against the number uh, the most right now uh, streak-wise in the NFL. How about Jets and Giants? Giants D is really playing well the last couple games. Shut down Buffalo and only gave up seven points to Washington. They're listed as the home team. Both teams play at MetLife in North Jersey. Jets minus three, even money right now, 36.5 your total. Your take on this one? I'm going to stay with the Giants in the football game, Kenny, and I realize arguably there's not much of a home field advantage here for the Giants against the Jets. They both play in the same stadium, but the Giants will be in their home locker room. The Jets will be in the visiting locker room, which they don't see all that often, only in games like this. But you've got the Jets coming in here. Uh, a little catching a little bit too much love here, I think, uh, first of all, of late here. Uh, they've really struggled in games when they allow 100 or better rushing yards in the contest with Saquon Barkley back. They're just 16-34 and 34 to the spread the Jets are when they cough up 100 rushing yards. And they're coming off a bye week, are the Jets. But the last 11 times they played off of a week of rest, they've only won one game. That goes back to 2015 to find the last time they won a game playing off a of bye week. Uh, for the New York Jets. Give me the Giants plus the points in this game. I think they're going to come with everything they've got. All right. Uh, Rams off the tough loss at home against Pittsburgh. Talked about a 24-17. Cowboys off a bye. Cowboys at home. Minus 6.5, 45.5. I like Dallas if it's less than a touchdown and love teasing them down to a pick them. I think they're going to be refocused, and uh, I think they'll take out the Rams. I do like the combination of Cup and uh, Nakua, that's a good, solid combination. But I think the Cowboys get it done. But I know six and a half in the NFL is a lot more than it is in college. Your take, what does the database say with the Cowboys coming off the bye? Well, the database leans a little bit to the Rams here, Kenny. Not strongly, obviously. Uh, you got a football game here in which Dallas just held uh, the Chargers to a season low 272 yards of offense. So their defense is starting to pick up and play like the Dallas defense is expected to be. However, uh, the Rams here are a gutty football team, and I think they're in just about every game they play this year. They're coming off that 24-17 loss to the Steelers. Very, very disappointing and ugly loss in that sense here. Uh, I like the fact that uh, they're also 5-1 and one to the spread last six games against the NFC East uh, when they're on the road at NFC East teams. Give me the points with the Rams. There you go. Good stuff, Mark Lawrence. Last one. Got to duck it in because I like, and I, we only have about 40 seconds, but I like a two-team teaser. Give me the Chargers minus 2.5 and, and the Lions minus 2.5. Sunday night and Monday night football. Chargers playing the Bears. Raiders are at the Lions. Let's finish up with that. Raiders at the Lions. I have a feeling Hunter Renfro is going to be dealt uh, before the deadline next Tuesday. Don't know if it will happen before Sunday. What's your take? Well, Dan Campbell has been terrific at home in his career as an NFL head coach. He's 17-8-1 to the spread. They're up an embarrassing loss, if you will. And they're going home with their 13-2-1 to the spread at home since Thanksgiving Day. They're on a really right. nice home run here. I think Detroit bounces back and wins in a big way. 
Great stuff. Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports, hour number one in the books. We'll be right back, hour number two, up against a hard break. KT, live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Uh, KT Live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. And, of course, Andy Isco going to join me in just a little bit. And AI makes it out here every now and then to this Steiner's Pub location. But over on his side of town is the other one at 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. So that one's easier uh, for you if you're over on that side right there at Windmill and Las Vegas Boulevard. And then 8410 West Cheyenne, their 25th year. They are the oldest of the three establishments. But all three 24-hour establishments, remember, you got to be 21 and older to get in there. But great food. And uh, just enjoy myself at Steiner's Pub. Just a great location, uh, the one that I'm at. But all three are set up uh, similarly and uh, just great setups. And the food, again, outstanding. The service is impeccable. And so you need that in order to have that whole combination to make that experience right. Because, you know what, we don't get to go out too often. So, you know, you got to pick and choose your spots. But the great thing is the prices at Steiner's are fantastic. And, you know, if you're going to come in, get some gaming and get your free drinks and whatnot or uh, while you're playing, I mean, Roger Sachs has all that great stuff set up. So uh, enjoy, enjoy yourself at all three Steiner's Pub locations. And then if you're uh, going to have a few adult beverages, just set up your, your ride through uh, the great cab system that we have here in the Vegas Valley or Lyft or Uber, whatever you're using, and uh, just stay safe out there. Uh, be careful because you never know. Even Coach Sumlin, who's uh, now under Mike Loxley over there in Maryland, he just got a DUI. And, uh, you know, you can't get complacent and let your guard down. You no know, drinking and driving. That's the way I end that show each and every night. Monday through Friday right here on SportsX Radio. Before I get with Andy Isco, real quick, Andy falls demographically in the uh, range there for the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 40 to 72 years of age. If you fall in that demographic, then you're fortunate because Dr. John Pierce has the only scanner of its kind in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can check out the website, pdcenterlv.com. They've got the scanner there, and comfortable scan takes only a few minutes, and a few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. You can call now, schedule that free educational consultation, leave your number. You know the 702 for Vegas, 534-7900-534-7900-534-7900. Make sure you tell them Ken Thompson SportsX Radio sent you. And again, they've got that heart CT scan and calcium score special, which is phenomenal. You get your heart checked out for $125, $600 value, significant other, absolutely free. So the two of you get in there and get those hearts checked out. I always say, guys, don't get blindsided by the widowmaker. And ladies, you understand that heart disease, the number one killer of women annually in the United States. So get down there, take advantage of the great special that's been set up. It's been running now for about two years and a couple months. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. The Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900, 534-7900, pdcenterlv.com. 
All right, Mr. Andy Isco, always great to have you, of course, on a Wednesday night. I know you're going to be down at Steiner's uh, in one of the uh, Wednesday nights in November, so we'll figure out which one best, best fits your schedule. And, of course, KT has a great dinner waiting for you, an appetizer and dessert and all the trimmings, which uh, is always enticing because Andy Isco, one thing he likes, he likes to eat. There's no question about it. He likes good food, so he enjoys when he makes it out to Steiner's Pubs. AI, how are you doing, and how are the games going for you, pal? Ken, I'm doing fine, and your chances of getting me to come out to uh, do the show at Steiner's will be greatly enhanced if you do go to the one and hold the uh, live remote at the, the uh, strip location. When yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll check with Roger. I'll check with Roger and see if we can't uh, connect that now because I don't have to use the old-fashioned old ISDN line that I had set up over here at this location. So uh, with the setup they've got now, may be able to shift over that way. So we'll see if we can't pull that off. Let me update Jacksonville State 41-16, leading Florida International, 4.05 to go fourth quarter and 21-13. Sam Houston State trying to win that first game at the FBS level. Uh, up by eight. They were minus four and a half was actually uh, I think the closing line, they opened up as a three-point favorite. Andy Esco, did you do anything with Wednesday night college football? I made a, a small play on Jacksonville State tonight. Uh, I like the way that their offense has come alive in the last few weeks, and they're starting to play well for uh, Rich Rod. Uh, did not do anything with the Sam Houston game. Uh, last week, I went against Sam Houston and when they were uh, favored in their contest. I forget who it was uh, uh, they played last week, but uh, uh, but I, this week, I, I thought the line was right, and I actually thought that Sam Houston does have a good chance to, uh, uh, to win tonight, but it's difficult. Uh, unlike last week when I was taking points against a winless team, it's difficult to lay points with a winless team even at home. There you go. All right, they can uh, win before before I'll consider laying even a field goal with them or something. I mean, it's uh, it's their first year. They were a solid team. In fact, I believe it was just two years ago, two or three years ago, they won the uh, FCS championship. But that was a whole different team, and they're finding you know not everybody moves up to FCS the way James Madison did uh, a year ago. Yeah, and James Madison still unbeaten, playing outstanding yeah, ball. Uh, Andy, the association opened up tonight, and I know you follow basketball. But when do you start? handicapping and and start giving out plays or betting the NBA? Do you pick and choose spots now, or do you just kind of scout and uh, get a feel? I kind of wait. You know, it used to be where you didn't have this much of an overlap, but right now you're in the heart of the college uh, football season where a lot's going to be decided. There's a lot of these unbeaten teams like Michigan, Ohio State, in a few weeks, about a month or a little bit less than a month, I believe, will be meeting and deciding things against Florida State and some of the other unbeaten teams. And this is where I'm paying my more of my attention to. I will watch the NBA, follow it as it unfolds, but I highly doubt that I will get involved much before, oh, probably about about three to four weeks into the season, you get a chance to see what the rotations are. But, again, there's so much college football still going on in addition to the NFL. There's only so many hours in a day, and I'd rather deal with the things that at least I have a better grasp of as far as some established form where we finally have a good idea as to what teams can do what against what other kind of teams. Well, you're still finding that out in the NBA. And the other thing in the NBA is on any night, more so than perhaps any other sport, 
uh, a bad team can beat a good team depending upon how much uh, the effort the good team is willing to put in there. Uh, NBA, I have found over the years, is much more uh, suitable for in-game wagering than, uh, let's say, uh, a first half or a full game before the game starts. Just the, just the way the game is played and the decisions that coaches make in terms of, uh, I won't say load management, as much as time management within a game. There you go. And before uh, we get rolling on the college football and NFL with Mr. Andy Isco, update Washington got three goals in the third period, beat Jersey 6-4. to four. So Washington had a 3 nothing lead after one, Jersey a 4-3 lead after two, and Washington shuts out Jersey 3 nothing again in the third period and wins it by a score of 6-4 to four as a plus 245 dog in the Garden State AI. But what the Golden Knights are doing is pretty exceptional. 7-0 and out of the gate after winning the Stanley Cup. That's just, you know, unheard of to see a team get off to that type of start and just realize that, you know what, it was so much fun, we'd like to do it again. Yeah, exactly, and I thought last night was a real key game because they found themselves behind early, 2-1 to one after 1 to Philadelphia, went through, I believe it was a scoreless second period, and then they uh, came back and, uh, and and won the game ultimately. That's a nice test because you know you're going to have tests throughout the season. It's nice to be able to have a lot of in-game tests and still be able to come back and end up getting a win at the end. Now, uh, they, they're not going to go 82-0, and but they have a real good chance of getting up there in the uh, 115 to 125 point range at the end of the season a lot of it depends upon health there you go all right so uh, your take on that georgia state georgia southern game tomorrow because that's a good one and mark lawrence commented he's going to be on georgia southern they're minus a point and a half clay helton's team he's in his second year that georgia state team pretty good and got a nice road win last week what about a georgia southern minus one and a half 63 year total tomorrow night yeah, I haven't played it yet. I want to see if that line goes up a little bit because my inclination is initially was and continues to be uh, to take a Georgia State team. I mean, uh, ignoring any games against uh, FCS teams and looking just at the, against the FBS universe. Georgia State five and one straight up, but also five and one against the spread. So that's uh, uh, very impressive. Uh, they've got some better numbers, not not significantly greater, but better numbers in a lot of the key categories I like to look at as far as uh, uh, versus Georgia. Uh, Southern, which is also a very good program. I think one of the key matchups is that uh, Georgia State has had success passing the football, and that's been a weakness defensively, Georgia Southern, uh, in what they allow. At the same time, Georgia Southern does not have a very good pass attack themselves, averaging a little bit under 10 yards per completion, and Georgia State is much better than uh, Georgia Southern, at least statistically, at, uh, at defending the pass. So I think I can find more statistical edges. I know it's a rivalry. I've been on Georgia State several times this year. I, I think it was this past week where I was on them. It was either last week or the week before uh, against Louis, at Louisiana Lafayette. I think they were three-point dogs. They were leading the whole game, and then uh, uh, Lafayette made a run, but uh, I, th- I think it was a scoreless fourth quarter. I believe State was able to hold them off 20-17. to 17. I like to see that teams that can get out to a lead on the road in a, in a competitively priced game as it was, protect that lead when the other team makes a, a charge. Uh, so I, there's nothing... Nothing that I don't like about Georgia Southern, but there's also nothing I don't like about Georgia State. And give me a point or two, uh, and uh, that if I play it, that's the side I would play. Although it is, if, if it's like a point, point and a half, I'll probably just play a money line. 
Yeah, there you go. Darren Granger, outstanding year, and he is a dual threat, no question. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, just two picks, and he's rushed for five, over 350 yards rushing. And Marcus Carroll on the ground, 852, better than five yards to carry with 10 touchdowns there for the Panthers. Yes, I uh, I want to get on Helton's team, but I agree. I think Georgia State is just too good to go against, even on the road. And that's going to be a big game that both teams are going to be up for. Does the crowd come into play? We'll wait and see. Sometimes there's more pressure on that home team because the crowd expects them to win. So uh, you got to weigh all that stuff there. Let's get into uh, some of the games coming up on Saturday. Tennessee and Kentucky, because Tennessee was there for a half in Tuscaloosa, but my goodness, Alabama just uh, ambushed them there in the third quarter and end up winning the game and covering the game. So if you had Tennessee plus more than a touchdown going in to the halftime, you're feeling good about yourself. Kentucky, we've seen this team play good, solid ball at home, but we've seen them struggle as well. Uh, in between the hedges, they struggled big time against Georgia. Tennessee's D is pretty good, but can Tennessee get refocused to go back on the road after getting shell-shocked in the second half by Bama? They're minus 3.5, 51.5 in Lexington. Yeah, uh, Kentucky also has not played well before having the uh, uh, the week off, a couple of bad losses. So neither of them is coming in with great form. Of course, Kentucky's had some time to get over uh, that loss. I think it was to uh, was I think it was the last game it was at Missouri. It was either one or two uh, games ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Missouri. Uh, yeah. Tennessee, of course, did have the opportunity last week and they couldn't quite hold on. And yeah, it was disappointing if you had Tennessee plus the points because they gave Alabama all they wanted. But we're seeing Alabama somehow round into uh, the shape that we're accustomed to seeing, even though. Their overall numbers are not on a par with last year. Their recency uh, performances are. Uh, as, as far as this game goes, I'd like to make a case for Kentucky, but they are also not playing nearly as well as they did earlier in the season. And maybe it was just the fact that uh, uh, that whooping that they took at Georgia, uh, that 51-13 loss, I think they were unbeaten at the time. Maybe this was sort of a shock from which they haven't really uh, fully recovered. Uh, I, I, I'd like to play Kentucky, but I also look at the series history, and for the most part, this was at one point a dominant series for Tennessee, and then Kentucky finally broke through, I believe, within the last decade. But still, it's been the majority of the wins by Tennessee over the uh, uh, over the Vols in recent years, especially uh, when the, the Vols have had a a solid team, not necessarily a, a bowl caliber team, which they do have this year. So I'm a little bit reluctant, but if forced to make a play, I would take three and a half. All right. Meanwhile, UNLV and Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State, will join me next segment to close out the show. But UNLV will be at Fresno this week. They're bowl eligible. They came from behind. They got uh, you know six field goals there uh, by Pisano, that which was very very impressive, and they end up winning the game twenty five twenty three. Three seconds left. The kid makes his sixth field goal. Coach Odom's done an outstanding job. But going to Fresno, knowing that the dogs have had two weeks to prepare for this game, and they got a scare at Utah State. They had a lead, then blew it, and came back and ended up beating the Aggies 37-32 after a tough loss at Wyoming where they uh, got down uh, big time 24-7 at half, shut out the Pokes in the second half but couldn't get enough points. If UNLV is going to win the Mountain West, they have to win this game. Are they good enough? They're plus more than a touchdown at Fresno. Who do you like in the game with the points, and does UNLV have a chance to win at Fresno? 
it's it's going to be very tough. I mean, when you take a look at the schedules, this will be outside of the Michigan game, which is in a class by itself. This will be by far the toughest opponent that UNLV will have faced this season facing Fresno. Now, Fresno State has not faced a team the caliber of uh, Michigan, but they did go out on the road and beat a, a Big Ten school to open the season when they won at Purdue a few weeks later. Yeah, it wasn't a very good Arizona State team, certainly at the time, but when you go down in the desert and you shut a team out 29 nothing, that's a very impressive win. They did have that one loss when they stubbed their toe at Wyoming, and they followed it up with maybe somewhat of a lethargic effort at Utah State a couple of Friday nights ago. So the rest, I think, will help Fresno State to get back in the mindset of let's play the way that we were playing early in the season. Uh, you know, you look, you look at UNLV, uh, uh, they are, what, 6-1 and one against the point spread. The one game they didn't cover was last week against Colorado State, and it was really a struggle for them because Colorado State, even though they had put up some nice numbers recently, they won a couple of fluky games. That game against Boise State a week earlier, which I was very happy for. I didn't need them to win, but they were very happy to even get the cover, much less win the game as they did. Of course, the big rivalry game against uh, uh, Reno the week before that they won. I wonder if this might be the spot. It's almost like a case that I made last week when I went with the Ravens over the red-hot Detroit Lions. At some point, a red-hot team struggles in a game where you, where everyone all of a sudden is looking at them, and this might be the game. Keep in mind, Fresno State already has that one conference loss, UNLV 3-0. and A win here would tie Fresno and UNLV at 3-1 and in the uh, conference with Fresno having the head-to-head tiebreaker. Only Air Force is ahead of them at uh, being undefeated, although both Boise State and uh, Wyoming also have just one conference loss. But it's an important game for both teams. I also wonder if maybe there's a little bit of an exhale, although Coach Odom I don't think would, would necessarily uh, look at it this way and try to prevent it. If UNLV relaxes a little bit knowing that they've achieved one of their hard-sought goals and that's becoming bowl eligible, and not just bowl eligible, but bowl eligible this way and this early in the season. You know, I could make a case that uh, and it, it probably wouldn't happen, but let's say if uh, UNLV entered with nine or ten wins this year, you could make a coach for Barry Odom being coach of the year. Now, they usually wouldn't give it to a school in this, com- you know, in, in a group of five conference, but you could certainly make a, a case that if indeed that's the case, it's not already. He's done as good a job coaching this year as anyone in college football. Outstanding stuff. Great breakdown from Andy Isco. Mikey Keene, by the way, missed last game for Fresno State. Has injuries to both legs. Now, Paul Leffler will join me. I'll get an update there. If Keene doesn't go, then Logan Fife, who actually was the one that filled in for Hayner last year when he went down, uh, would start the game for Fresno State. So we'll see, indeed, uh, if it's Keene or Fife for the Bulldogs against UNLV and should be a fun game from Fresno. Looking forward to that one at 7.30 Pacific time. Let's go back and uh, drop back into uh, Big Ten football, uh, the Ohio State-Penn State game. That was uh, that was fun for the Buckeye fans because they were able to get it done, especially in the second half. Penn State laying 32.5 in Happy Valley, 46-year total against Indiana. James Franklin beats up on a lot of these teams, and I think Penn State realizes, you know what? We were dogs at the horseshoe. Yeah, we lost that game, but we still have an opportunity. If we can beat everybody on our schedule, including Michigan, we have an opportunity to get to that uh, you know championship game in the Big Ten. You know, and they'll probably want to you know get some style points and beat up on a team like Indiana. Your take? Would you lay the points, or do you think Penn State may be deflated because Franklin has good success against some of the weaker teams in the conference throughout the years? You know, it's a big number. 
to uh, to lay, and my numbers can support my analysis can support laying that number, but I'm reluctant to do so simply because uh, there's nothing really to be gained by even a, you know by they beat them 37 to 10. That's a nice uh, a nice win, but they don't cover, and they have Maryland up next week on the road, and then I believe it's the game against Michigan after that, which is the one that they're looking forward to. I feel a lot differently, uh, so it's a question of. I, do I delete the points with Penn State? Probably not. That's a little still have to think about it. But clearly, I would not take the points with Indiana because if you want Indiana to cover, it basically comes down to Penn State just taking it easy or you know not being fully focused. I don't. I would not expect them to have a letdown because they know they still have their destiny somewhat in their control. If indeed they can beat Michigan and Michigan beats Ohio State, and then they uh, figure it all out. AI, give me one game that you like for the listeners out there, and then we'll go to break, come back, and hit the NFL hard. I'll go with another Mountain West game. It's uh, a game that I've been looking at all week and waiting for. It's the game Wyoming at Boise. Boise laying about five, five and a half in that game. And I like Wyoming, and I wouldn't be shocked if they uh, beat uh, Boise outright. You know, Boise's been the dominant program, or certainly amongst the top two or three programs for about 15 years in the Mountain West. But in recent years, uh, the uh, coaching and the recruiting has, has gone down a little bit. And so the gap between Boise and some of the mid-tier teams, such as Wyoming, has narrowed. Wyoming's played them tough in uh, the last uh, four years. I think they've had a couple of uh, uh, three-point losses, four-point losses. It was a ten-point loss in there. I think this is the year where Wyoming, and they've showed their medal so far this year with some nice wins and some nice efforts. Yeah, they lost 31-10 against uh, at, at a very powerful Texas team, getting like 38 they covered. They were only outgained by about 21 yards in that game, so it was a much more competitive effort than the final score alone would indicate. So I like uh, uh, Wyoming in this game. I want to see how this line moves, but I'll be happy taking the five and five and a half it doesn't move if it doesn't move anywhere there you go he is andy isco follow him on twitter now known as x of course at vegas andy 711 at vegas andy 711 take a break come back talk some nfl update you on that spurs mavs game a wild one there in texas the debut of victor Wembanyama. we are live from steiner's ken thompson 101.5 fmk dawn streaming live on the odyssey app you're listening to sports x radio we'll be right back Fuel, baby. Had a bad day. Actually, not too bad a day. KT rocking and rolling over here. Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Update when Benyama's debut after the first quarter. Spurs in a wild one, 43-36, leading the Mavs. Uh, they've gone into the uh, second quarter. It's now 45-41. Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavs has 15. Doncic with 7. But Wembenyama in 7 minutes, 6.0 turnovers, 2 rebounds, an assist, and a block tough part he had two fouls so that's why he came out and played half the quarter so we'll keep an eye on the game throughout the night Andy Isco is with us jump into the NFL as we uh, hit up the college see if we can't get a few of these games in here AI let me uh, jump off to the Eagles and Commanders the Eagles man they are so good at that uh, brotherly shove deal man they get to that third and one fourth and one you can count it 90 percent of the time Eagles minus six and a half 43 and a half on the road against Washington who always seems to play the Eagles tough yeah, and in fact, the line is a little bit interesting considering when they played in Philadelphia at home, 
they were an eight and a half point home favorite, and now they're on the road. Normally, you make an adjustment, even if you use the home field advantage thing of three, which is not quite anymore. Uh, you still have Philadelphia, probably a four to four and a half, four to three and a half point road favorite. So they're basically saying, well, since then Washington has not played as well, although they did have a nice road win at Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, and Philadelphia has started to. Uh, pick up their level of play uh, since uh, a sluggish start to the season. And of course, it was a wild one, that 34-31 win that the Eagles had. I'm inclined to looking at taking the points uh, with the Commanders. Uh, the Eagles can do enough to win. They have a big game up next, uh, the, the following week when they host uh, division rival Dallas in a game that is more important. Well, they're all important for the Eagles, but that one is especially important because it's a home game against your chief division rival, and you don't want to lose your home game uh, to uh, the team that you're going to have to face on the road later in the year, as will be the case for the uh, uh, Eagles and the Cowboys. So at six and a half, I want to see if that line goes up to seven. And the only side I'm considering playing right now is uh, uh, is Washington, although I do expect Philadelphia to win the game, which would make Philadelphia one of those ideal teams to consider teasing down. Andy Greenblade not playing well. They'll be at home in a pick game against the Vikings, who got a huge game. Uh, Monday night and found a way to knock off the Niners. That is huge. By the way, Brock Purdy in the concussion protocol. We'll see if he's able to go for the Niners on Sunday. But Minnesota Cousins played an outstanding game, and the Vikings as a team really were solid throughout the game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the offense hung together, too, because remember, they're doing it without Jefferson. Pick em game. I think the uh, Packers don't run love enough. I would like to see him get outside the tackle box, give himself a run-pass option more. Why not stretch the field more, throwing the ball to Christian Watson down the field? I mean, they do it one time, and they feel like, ah, uh, can't do it anymore. Like, who says you can't throw five or six or seven times down the field? It's unreal. You very rarely see teams do it. Miami's about the only one right now with all the speed that they have. What's your take on this pick game from Lambeau, Packers and Vikings, total of 42? Don't really have much of an opinion on this one because I really don't know what we're getting with uh, either team. I mean, you look at Minnesota, the great offense they had last year. Well, of course, they're without Jefferson now. But even then, before uh, he went down, uh, you know, Minnesota scored 28 points. That's their season high, and that was in a comeback when they trailed at Philadelphia to make it a little bit close. So uh, we haven't seen Minnesota uh, put up the kind of offensive numbers with or without uh, the Jefferson this year. And meanwhile, Green Bay has done absolutely nothing. Their, their high point total of the year was game one against the Chicago when they put 38 up in a 38-20 win, and they followed it up with their second-best point output uh, when they went down to Atlanta and uh, lost 25-24. So they have really struggled offensively, even this past week at the, at Denver, they really couldn't do that much in a game that was very much defensive oriented. They lose the game uh, 19-17. So I can't trust Green Bay even at home. I will say that Green Bay has played six games. Four of them have been on the road, so this would be a favorable spot. But you know, I look at uh, the quarterback comparison. As much as you can ridicule and criticize Kirk Cousins, he's the better quarterback in this game, and I think he's he's. Th- I think I talked before that throughout his career, he's been sort of like the uh, NFC version of uh, of Derek Carr. Uh, it's often criticized more harshly than perhaps he should, but doesn't often get the credit when he plays as well as he has. And I think that's the case with uh, uh, with Carr. So I've got to pass this game. Miles Garrett, a wrecking crew last week, found a way. Shorthanded again, the Browns, but they take care of business. They did get some gift calls down the stretch, uh, but the defense gave up 38. I mean, but 
you know, when you watch Garrett, he's just a beast. And then among boys, Seahawks minus three and a half in Seattle, 38 the total. I want to take Seattle. I know the line's gone up a little bit. Are you going to be on this game? Do you, do you look at Seattle or do you just respect the Browns defense enough to stay away? And the total, of course, 38 from Seattle. Given what we've seen out of the Browns this year, I have to respect that defense. The concern I have, however, is the teams that have been able to run against Cleveland in recent weeks. In the first three games of the season, they allowed 75, 55, and 26 yards rushing. Now, the last three weeks, the last three games they played against Baltimore, San Francisco, and Indianapolis, 131, 108, and 168. So that's a significant decline. So the numbers are down a little bit, but even if you just go back two weeks in the game against San Francisco, they only allowed 215 total total yards in the game. So the defense is still very strong. I'm not sold on the Seattle offense. I'd like to see this game uh, go to four, in which case I will uh, uh, almost certainly be on this, on uh, Cleveland. AI Bears and Chargers. Bears with uh, Bajent getting a good uh, win there against the Raiders. You know, when you're a, a D2 quarterback, you get the start and you take care of business. You're fired up and Justin Fields going to miss again. Sunday night football, Chargers have to get a win. I mean, they're struggling mightily to get those W's Chargers minus eight and a half, 46 and a half. I already told Mark I like to tease the Chargers and the Lions down both to two and a half and uh, do my Sunday night, Monday night teaser. But what about the Chargers maybe laying the eight and a half, 46 and a half? Uh, Herbert to me just, uh, you know, is, you know, he's flashy, he's good, but he's missing a lot of passes to where guys are open and he's just overthrowing them. What's your take? Do you lay the points? Do you look at the Bears? Or do you just uh, settle for the teaser like I'm going to do with the Chargers and the Lions on Sunday night, Monday night football? I might just uh, settle for the uh, for the teaser because I yeah we we've not seen much improvement in uh, uh, in the quarterback of Herbert uh, really since his second year and uh, you know we had that injury a few weeks ago and I wonder even if it was on the other hand if it's still bothering him he's not been sharp he's been missing receivers as you pointed out now they did play to be fair they played Dallas and Kansas City their last two games and put up 17 in in both of those games in which they were losses so it should be a little bit easier going up against the Chicago Chicago team that, well, really, when you look at uh, the numbers, they're off their two best defensive efforts of the uh, year, even though it's been without Justin Fields to do much with the offense. Two weeks ago against Minnesota when Fields got hurt, they held the Vikings to 220 yards in a, uh, tw- in a 19-13 loss. Last week against the Raiders, the Raiders only gained 235 uh, yards in the 30-12 to win, so the Bears actually have played their best defense lately. Uh, maybe they'll have some success against uh, uh, the Chargers, whose running game has been uh, tremendous inconsistent three times this year 234 155 139 three times this year rushing 61 30 and 53 so they have had the extra rest they should be prepared in normal situations i'd expect a big effort out of the chargers but i can't trust them i can't trust the coaching decisions that might be made there you go last one uh speaking of those raiders they're taking on the lions monday night game the lions are laying eight and a half Total's 46. Like I said uh, to Mark, I think Renfro is going to be dealt. I think he'll go to New Orleans. I think Derek Carr will uh, find a place for him. He's only getting two catches for 15 yards a game. They're wasting a guy that was a pro bowler a couple years ago. And I I think the the Saints will try and uh, bring him over. What's your take on this game? Because I want to lay the 8.5 with the Lions. Uh, 46 your total. Look, I respect Mac, Mac, respect Max Crosby so much, and he's going back there to Michigan. And of course, he played his college ball there at, at Eastern Mich, and I know he's going to be hyped up for the game. 
Uh, but I don't. I, I just don't feel strongly about this team at all. They're three and four, and they're lucky to be three and four when you look at their wins. So this, to me, right now, is a team that could easily be. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I look at them. They, they easily could be one and six. Your take? Because I'm, I'm going to lay the points with Detroit. It's, it's the only side I could play. You know, I, the Raiders had won those two games before last week, and the thing I didn't like is Devontae Adams came out and complained that he hadn't been targeted. I could mm-hmm. understand if you were complaining and you had lost those games, but you don't complain yep. if the team is winning. You really don't. You accept your role as sometimes a decoy being double teamed. Uh, I just don't like what's going on inside that uh, that locker room. It seems to be very dysfunctional. Meanwhile, the uh, Lions are off their worst game offensively this year and their worst game defense. Defensively uh, this year, uh, one thing I've liked about Detroit has been their defense, and uh, where they've matched up is they go up against a Raiders team that just has not been able to run the football this year. They have yet to have a hundred-yard game as a team rushing the ball. Meanwhile, prior to last week, the Lions had not allowed a 100 yards rushing to another of their previous five opponents until they allowed 146 to Baltimore. Now, Detroit is still, I think it's now 13 and four since the middle of last season. Maybe the hottest team or one of the hottest teams. I think San Francisco has been equally as hot prior to the two losses. The mark of a team that's showing the improvement and the maturity is that you bounce back from an effort like they had last week, you put it behind you, and you go on uh, taking care of uh, the business at hand. Now, when Baltimore is a healthy team as they are now, they are one of the top teams in the league. I don't know that i put them right up there with a healthy San Francisco or Philadelphia, but they're very not far below that. So it's not that uh, they didn't lose to a bad team or a team that they should have beaten. In fact, last week, uh, other than the game in Kansas City to open the season, it's only the second time this year that the Lions were an underdog. Now they're back in a more favorable role, and they've won games by 14, by 18, by 14, by 14 in their uh, in, the, in their streak of uh, weeks uh, uh, three, three through uh, six, I guess it was before, right after they lost the overtime game to Seattle. So Detroit has shown a nice consistency to win games comfortably, and I'm going to look at the game against Baltimore last, last week as just a, a pothole, a bump in the road. I agree with you. 30-13 to is my predicted score with the Lions winning that game at home on Monday to get back on track. Hey, I appreciate you as always. We'll do it again next Wednesday. And uh, one of these November Wednesdays, we're getting you right here to Steiner's Pub. I look forward to that, and I will check on uh, potentially doing one down there at Windmill and Las Vegas Boulevard. But, AI, always appreciate you, man. You're the best uh, legend in this uh, city for a long, long time since the old Stardust line. He is the great Andy Isco. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Again, thanks. Have a great week. I hope all the games go your way. There you go. Take a break. Come back. Roll out Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State. That's right. Them dogs at Bulldog Stadium going to take on our UNLV Rebs. Rebs 6-1, bowl eligible. Coach Odom going to bring them up there to play a good, solid Fresno State team off a bye. We're live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK Dome. We're streaming live on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it now if you have not. We'll be back live from Steiners. You're listening to Ken Thompson and SportsX Radio. Ah, 
little straight cats coming back. KT's old beach days in SoCal, baby. Little straight cats partying out there on the beach and uh, now partying here in Vegas every once in a while. Uh, gaining some wisdom and uh, doing things in moderation now. Back then, straight cats, forget about it. There was no moderation then. Didn't know what that word meant. Uh, get with Paul Luffler, the voice of Fresno State. In just a sec, update on the scoreboard. Jacksonville State did finish off Florida International. Easy cover of the nine. Went it by 25-41-16. Game flies over the total. Sam Houston State clinging now to a seven-point lead fourth quarter just underway. They're at home against UTEP, Texas El Paso, 27-20. Game's already gone well over the 38-and-a-half. In the association, uh, Celtics were able to hold off the next 108-104 at the Garden. They pushed that number of four. Uh, that's pretty much where it closed everywhere here in the Valley. Tied at 56, the debut of Wembenyama against Dallas. 3.15 still to go in the first half. Tied at 56. Kings putting away the Jazz right now by 15. Third quarter action, three minutes to go there in Utah. Only game yet to tip off. Clippers at home, their debut. And Paul George, Fresno State guy, saying, hey, I feel good. I'm 100%. I'm ready to roll. Kawhi Leonard as well. These guys are uh, going to be that one-two combo. And Clippers minus 10, 225 and a half. And we'll pay attention to that only game on the ice. Washington, a 6-4 win over Jersey. A look at the scores. And right now, welcome in Paul Luffler, the voice of Fresno State. And, Paul, great to have you. My goodness, the Rebels, are you kidding me? Bowl eligible, 6-1. and one. We expected from Fresno State because this team always right there. And, of course, Hayner moves on. But, uh, you know, this team continues to play good, solid football. Mikey Keene couldn't go in their last game and uh, wanted to get an update. Didn't know where he was at or if it's uh, going to be Logan Fight who stepped in for Hayner last year, just uh, wasn't sure quarterback situation. But we know Coach Tedford, no matter who's under center, is always going to be ready to have those Bulldogs uh, give out a great effort, especially at Bulldog Stadium at home in Fresno. Paul, great to have you back on SportsX Radio, and uh, let's get rolling on the game, my man. Yeah, great to be back with you. We actually uh, just had our radio show with Coach Tedford tonight, and I asked him about the quarterback situation. It was, it was actually a really fun show, so we had Pat Hill here, too, I mean, an embarrassment of riches there. And Pat's going to go into the ring of honor at Valley Children's Stadium on Saturday night. So that'll be a neat moment. But, you know, Jeff said that both Logan and Mikey Keene are are practicing. Uh, they're both getting reps. Said, you know, he's, it's going to be a game-time decision. But he says if Mikey is 100%, he'll, he's the starter, he'll go. If not, it'll be Logan. And he said, you know, there's a chance that you may see both of them a little bit. Because Logan Fife played so well in that win at Utah State, and he adds a little different dimension. And it's, it's probably not too different from what Rebel fans are seeing with Brumfield and Mayava. There's been an injury situation there, too, but Rebel fans have seen, but both of those guys can lead UNLV to victory. And I think that's what Jeff has here with Mikey Keene and Logan Fies, two guys that are very similar but do have some differences and both have the trust of their teammates and know how to lead the team to a win. You know, what's interesting is both teams plus nine in the old turnover department. Very impressive. That's why both teams having success, sitting at six and one, but coming off the bye. I mean, that's big time there, uh, you know, with Fresno State. I mean, 15 days ago they were in Logan, and they got that W there. They outplayed Wyoming big time in the second half in Laramie, but dug themselves a 24-7 deficit by halftime and couldn't come all the way back, lost a tough one 24-19, or they'd be unblemished. What's your take overall on this Fresno State team? Because it's always tough when you see a guy like Jake Hayner move on and, and uh, you know, you have to, you know, go back to the drawing board. But when you have a veteran coach like Coach Tedford, you know there's going to be something in the mix and he's going to come up with the best game plan. Yeah, and it's not just 
Coach Tedford, it's his whole staff. I mean, I really believe that Fresno State has the best staff it could have. You have so many of these guys who not only have been there and done that in college football and many of them in the pro ranks, but they have the connection to the community. So they're invested, they know what it means, and they're not auditioning for other jobs. This is where they want to be, and they're just bringing excellence. So, you know, whether it's Kevin Coyle, the defensive coordinator, or Jethro Franklin, Tim Skipper, who Rebel fans know, J.D. Williams, another former UNLV assistant, all those guys played at Fresno State. They're coaching the positions where they played in their Bulldog games. I could go on and on. John Baxter, the special teams coach, who, by the way, has huge esteem for what the Rebels are doing on special teams this year. He said he thinks this is the best special teams unit Fresno State has gone up against so far this season. Uh, It's just a phenomenal coaching staff. So, you know, I had, I think you and I talked before this season, and I said I picked Fresno State to win the league because of that coaching staff and because of the defense coming back. And you knew the offense was going to round in the form, and it has. I mean, both quarterbacks have played well. This last game at Utah State, Malik Sherrod had a career game running the football. And at wideout, they're just loaded. You know, they've had three different guys go over 100 yards, and they had the two who haven't have breakout games last time at Utah State. So they really have become a pick-your-poison kind of offense. And the defense, while the overall stats haven't been as impressive as I would think in terms of yards allowed, they are taking the ball away, and they're making game-winning plays when it counts. And I think that's what's most impressive, the situational excellence of the team. Yeah, no doubt. And defensively, like you said, they're going to have their hands full with UNLV, who also uh, boasts, uh, boasts a pretty good running game with Vincent Davis coming over, Donovan Lester doing a nice job, both he and uh, Jaden Thomas, uh, the Jet, the freshman. Both those guys have hit pay dirt seven times. Courtney Reese, uh, no slouch as well. So there's depth there. And Jaden Maeva has stepped in, the youngster out of Liberty High School right here in Vegas and done a heck of a job. And then, you know, the receiving core, Ricky White's a beast, but Jacob DeJesus had a breakout game in the win over Colorado State, and they were fortunate to get that one. But like you said, special teams, you know, came through again, and you know, you know, you get six field goals, you know, including one in the waning seconds, you're going to have that momentum, plus you're bowl eligible, so that monkey's off the back, basically. Now you know you're there, but you still know that you're you're playing a rested Fresno State team, and uh, this team is so hard to beat at home. I mean, when you go there and they're not off a bye, they're tough to beat, but when you go and they've got two weeks to prepare for you, you're up against it big time. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, preparing for the Rebs and what you see there because your defense, again, when you have a linebacker, senior linebacker like Lavelle Bailey, I mean, this guy just brings it. And uh, Clark's pretty good in the secondary as well. Langley, a solid backer as well. Talk to me about this Fresno State defense. Yeah, you hit on some of the key guys. And, and Lavelle Bailey was a little banged up, you know, the last couple games. And, and we'll see if he's 100% in this game or not. But they just have depth. I mean, that's the most impressive thing. This team has more depth than any Bulldog team I've seen in the last 20 years, and show, so much of that depth shows up on defense. You know, they've got incredible corners, and, and one of their corners got hurt, Cam Lockridge, who's a preseason all-conference guy. He's out for the year, but in Carlton Johnson and Alzillian Hamilton, they, guys, they have guys that can just hang with just about anybody. Uh, Maurice Norris, their nickelback, has been phenomenal. Probably, you know, made more plays defensively than anybody on the team. And they've got, you know, safeties who, who really know their assignments. Dean Clark's been a great addition from the transfer portal. But Cam Braca has, has been a breakout guy there. Steven Comstock's been solid. And then the depth that they bring to the front four. I mean, they rotate defensive linemen like nobody's business. And 
you know, if I'm Russ Langer getting ready to call this game for Las Vegas, I'm, I'm saying, where do I have room on my spotting board for all these defensive linemen? Because you're going to see 12, 13, 14 defensive linemen in the game for Fresno State, and you won't see drop-offs. They keep them fresh. And when they've been able to generate a pass rush, that's really been the key by rotating bodies, getting some fresh speed in there, and finding the weak link in the opponent's offensive line. Uh, but it, there's been a lot of impressive moments on this defense. You know, they went to Arizona State, pitched a shutout against the Sun Devils, probably should have had a shutout against Nevada and lost it in the final minute with the third stringers in there. Uh, but this is a legitimate defense, and the guy pressing the buttons is an absolute wizard who's been everywhere, Kevin Coyle. So they've really, I think, uh, found something defensively, playing with a lot of confidence. But, you know, the Rebel team that they're up against this time, I think, poses a lot more challenges than any Rebel team they've gone up against in recent years. There you go. And Carlton Johnson and uh, Maurice Norris, those guys, six interceptions between them. Carlton Johnson has four picks already on the young season. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if he's able to uh, uh, get in the face of some of the receivers there for UNLV and uh, come away with an interception or two for those Bulldogs. And looking forward to a really good game. And I love night games there at Bulldog Stadium. I mean, me me and Panish, uh, we make it up there every now and then. You talk about the Ring of Honor, and you know the crowd's going to be in a frenzy with Pat Hill. I mean, one of the best coaches that I can remember from a non-Power 5 conference. And this guy, he could have coached in at a lot of Power 5 schools, but he liked it at Fresno State. He did a great job. And, you know, their motto back then and still today, you know, anywhere, anytime, they'll play anybody. That's just Fresno State. And, uh, boy, but back then when he was coaching, my goodness, I remember being an SC fan, how fortunate the Trojans were to beat that Pat Hill team because Fresno State should have won that game. And I, I remember, you know, if not for, you know, Reggie just pulling things out of his keister, man. I mean, there's no way that UNLV win. I mean, that uh, USC wins that game. But uh, Pat Hill, a lot of respect for that man, and I'm glad he's getting his just due there because he's one of the uh, best coaches not only at Fresno State but in the country back in the day and uh, really enjoyed his work. And I'm glad you were able to get him on the show tonight. He's, uh, he's a special man, and I'd like to get him on SportsX Radio sometime, Paul. So uh, maybe the introduction between either you or through Panish because Pat Hill is one of my faves. But in a minute, sum up what he means to that university. Oh, man. Um, he's just all heart. You know, he's such a visionary. He took over for a legend in Jim Sweeney, and that's never easy to follow a legend, right? But he brought his own personality and creativity, and he found different ways to fund the program. You know, he was tireless in doing that. He came up with that green V on the helmet that's still there, that now everybody across the country says, oh, Fresno State, that's the team with the V on the helmet. What's that for? Mm-hmm. For the San Joaquin Valley because you grow all the food? Yeah. That's it. And it's something simple, but it was so genuine and it's so significant because this area does grow the majority. You know, no part of the country grows more food than the San Joaquin Valley here. He said, that's what drives our economy. Let's showcase that on the helmets. Let's give people a reason to invest in Fresno State football. And and he changed the landscape here and he changed college football. And, um, you know, he's been my broadcast partner for nine years here on the Fresno State games. He and I have done national games together. And that was a treat to go around and see what he meant to so many other young coaches around the country. He's been a role model and an inspiration. and uh, He's one of a kind, I'll tell you that. He, he is unpredictable, unfiltered, and just a ton of fun. Paul Leffler, you are a class act, and I always appreciate you taking time out for SportsX Radio. And, of course, 
Uh, we both know Brian Panish very well, a Fresno State grad back there. He played on Sweeney's teams back in the day, and I remember being there when Derek Carr's name went up there in that ring of fame there on uh, uh, September 2nd, 2017, I think it was. And, uh, boy, it was a hot night out there. Panish was sweating because they had that 77 team uh, reunion there, and I think Panish dropped about 10 pounds that night. It was so darn hot there in Fresno. But, hey, you have a great call of the game. We'll look to check in with you throughout the season. Mountain West, dogs off to a 6-1 and one start. Hosting the Rebs should be a fun game to call. Paul, thanks so much for taking time. Anytime. Always a pleasure. And I tell Panish he's not the only one to drop 10 pounds that night. I think I did, too. There you go. Well, that'll do it for us on a Wednesday. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM. K-Dawn, I'm Ken Thompson. God bless. Good night, everybody.